just starting now, so All we right. can just uh, be sort of uh, chat hour. And I'm just about to send out on Twitter as well. I appreciate your um, pressed for time. So let's do this. This. And uh, yeah, you've been coming out swinging, my good friend. <laughs> so, uh, What's up? You, you've been coming out swinging uh, last uh, last week or so. Um, I'm just sick and tired of it. <clears throat> I think a lot of people are. So <clears throat> we should be. We're live anyway right now. So all just, right. <clears throat> well, it beats Dan. Uh, <laughs> I, just uh, see if we can't. Um, I, don't, I don't see a link or anything yet on my on my Twitter. To, uh, it should have just been sent. Um, oh, you know what? Because <laughs> you were on it and it was uh, taking up too much space. I didn't tweet you. I didn't link you on it. Oh, okay, fine. Then I won't worry about. I won't worry about. Uh, you know, it's yeah. This is a good way to lose about eight hundred followers in about thirty six hours. Yeah, let me uh, let me just get to that tweet and uh, I'll retweet at you. Tweet at me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Let's do this, quote, tweet, and as long as you don't shoot at me, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, and only, only Twitter's. All right, so that should be at you right now. All right, let's see what I get here. I have all sorts of people trying to tell me that they know where I can get Kevlar suits and all that for these presentations and I explained to them the way I was trained it's a headshot not a body shot you don't know, wear <laughs> well, you know uh, put a helmet on Maybe. yeah I see that happening you know Luke I am your father is that what I've become now uh, um, I don't know but, um, yeah okay, look, no, the, the simple, simple fact is that you're going after uh, you're coming out against um uh, sacred cows and um you know what i'm so i just hit a like there i guess i'll share so yeah that might be the right religion the right religion yeah the sacred cow <laughs> the sacred cow well yeah if people are up for it well i, I mean it's common <clears throat> idiom right so right no i got it do you have a slide deck that you want to, I guess you can just share screens and what have you. Uh, I thought your breakdown of the, um, the epidemiological data was really, uh, powerful actually. Um, that was looking, well, it was, um, and in the 18 pieces one or the one I did yesterday, I, I, I think, I think CDC. it was the most, most recent one. So the 18, the right. 18 pieces one was a sort of more encompassing one, but it, it was the right. breakdown of CDC. Right. Right. Data. You know, the, the guy who was, uh, on, um, and I don't have, look, I, this is not a personal issue thing. I'm not going after anybody on, uh, uh, I, personally, I, you know, I mean, my goal is, as a, as a scientist physician, I, I like to say attorney, but I'm not sure that that really applies half the time with attorneys, um, that there's ethical goals that you have to follow. Um, and you have to look at the science and, you know, this guy, uh, was on the war room and he's an economics guy and that's great. I think if you want to get economic advice, you are probably better off to get it from him than me. Um, <clears throat> 
but he's talking about CDC data. So all I did was was go to the CDC and get their data, and it, and it's very compelling data. I think um, they've not separated. Can I, can I just sure. interject no, there? Um, yeah. It's quick. Uh, how much are we to trust the CDC data? This, this because <clears throat> there do seem to be a lot of caveats that come with um, one. Listen, yeah, go ahead. Well, well they, they they publish right, and they get. <clears throat> PubMed listed and what mm-hmm. have you, and it's all internal um, sort of papers and mm-hmm. that, that I don't think go for proper review. And yeah, so what's my... on the CDC website is 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 kind of what we're <clears throat> we're stuck with. Um, I mean, it, it, it certainly beats uh, turning on Saturday morning cartoons and using that as as a reference source. I mean, you can always ask the question. Right. You always ask the question, what are the potential motives behind the people talking to you? And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about the CDC or McCullough or Malone or you or myself or anybody else. You need to know what their what their motives are. And that's what conflict of interest is all about. So. Clearly, the CDC doesn't have on its website, you know, their conflict of interest. They are. um I mean, I, I, I've shared this with before. The CDC is very much aware of the work that I've done uh, because I've, I have presented at, at CDC conferences, um, you know, and, and the, the only thing I can attest to on this planet is what I've done. I, I can never attest to whether somebody else is telling me the truth, whether they're manipulating something intentionally, whether they're unknowingly manipulating something, whether they have biased their data because they firmly believe in, in what they're saying. I mean, I don't know that. The only people who know that and, and maybe, you know, taking all those variables into account, even those people may not know if they're being dishonest to themselves because they want an outcome. <clears throat> and that's why, you know, one of my one of my points that I try to make is there's two ways to do this. You can either make a statement and then go look for things that support that. Or you can look at the science and then make the statement. And I like that latter one because then if it's wrong, I can easily change it with additional science, right? But if you're doing the right. first approach, you're pretty well stuck into that. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of the problem. And that's why things, I think, are so uh, polarized and politicized, which is everybody, not everybody, I shouldn't say that, right? People tell me, don't say everybody, right? Like, a lot of people are... are they have a perspective of what's right and wrong and they're looking for ways to support that. And I get that. I mean, that's human nature. I get that. What, I mean, what scientists are supposed to do is supposed to do is to remove that emotional content, uh, and, and, and stay with the science. I like that. Um, well, that's not know, happening across multiple oh, fields no, right now, not. whether it's yeah. no, medicine or the basic sciences right now we're seeing these conflicts of interest rear their head it's caused a uh well global it's had global fallout and yeah it's uh, um as as i've put it and i you know sometimes i guess i have to put this a little bit more bluntly than i like to it's prostitution of science and medicine yes Yes. and you know there are people pimping (laughs) what's what's going on okay Mm. and 
in my in my opinion, I, I you know, so looking at this conflict of interest stuff that I posted on on all these points did not come from something I wanted to do. This was I was being inundated on a not a daily basis, but a multiple times a day basis hmm. with statements that people were being made. Is it right? Is it wrong? And, you know, and that frankly is distracting from my overall goal. My overall goal right now is to indict these people. Um, and, you know, we're, we're making very good pro progress on that, but I, uh, as a focused, uh, uh, individual, when uh, this, this concept of getting these indictments is now priority one for me, plus the crimes against humanity tour coming up and, and, and the things, because that's in a, integrated into these indictments as far as I'm concerned. Um, <clears throat> so I, you know, for weeks kept getting all these questions and I simply said, okay, Look, I, I was responding to the questions, and, and so it became apparent I needed to do a presentation. Now, I just did a presentation in New Orleans at the uh, IAOMT. I forget what it, it stands for, but it's it's a dental group. And, and everybody there was given a card to read for conflicts of interest. When we signed up for this, we had to fill out a form. Do you have conflicts of interest? So you have to fill that out. And most of the speakers got up there and read the card, but my slides, you know, have my conflicts of interest right on the first slide. I want you to know, okay, you take a picture of it. I don't care. You know, I just, if you know that I'm connected with certain things, then you can, in your own mind, say, as I listen to Fleming, um, I need to take this into consideration. If you don't, that's on you, but at least I'm not hiding it from you. The only person who didn't do that was McCullough. And then he came out and he made comments about, well, he had just been booted off uh, in, in his faculty positions that morning. And he'd just been removed from some, some things that morning. Peter, no, you hadn't, because that happened months and months and months ago. Okay, so that's just a right up front. You didn't have to make that statement. That's a lie. Um, you could say, I have suffered the consequence and, and, and been, yeah, go for that. That's good. Okay, but don't lie to the people. And then to not make a conflict of interest statement, I'm not saying that Peter McCullough or, or uh, because he's gotten four and a half million dollars in seven years from Big Pharma is compromised. I'm stating you have to tell people that, right? Doesn't that, doesn't that make it much cleaner when you say that and you go, look, I got four and a half million. Now, I think I deserve that. And uh, I think I did legitimate work. But if you think that it clouds my perspective, <clears throat> go for that. I mean, a good friend of mine, Bob Eckle was American Heart Association president. You only get to be president for one year. And, and there's, you know, you get president-elect, current president, past president. So you, 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 there's a training that goes on. And Bob <clears throat> had people who attacked him and said, Bob, you cannot be president of American Heart because you're a Christian. <laughs> okay. And Bob turned around and said, look, if you can show me anything in my published research that shows that I'm compromised in what I'm presenting, I won't become American Heart. Mm 
president, you know, and Bob's wife is the lady who started go red for women. She, she loved this red outfit. She wore it, it popped and it became, you know, international go red for women. Um, but Bob is completely above board, uh, completely ethical. He's an endocrinologist. He and I have talked many times. We've been on different committees and panels together um, uh, with uh, with hyperlipidemia and heart disease. And Bob's very ethical. But Bob just simply came back to him. Look, if you think that's a problem, you show me where it's a problem. No evidence, right? But he was up front. He just simply said, well, prove it to me. Okay. So. It's the fact that given that, and this wasn't me, I mean, other people brought this to my attention. It's like, darn, okay, well, look, you can punch in any of us. If, if you're an MD, a DO or a DDS, so medical, uh, allopathic, osteopathic, or dentist, you can punch that number in there and, and you'll see what big pharma has paid people. You've got to declare that. Now, in some of the videos that I showed, McCullough says he's, he, he's going to incorporate Paxlovid uh, into into his treatment regimen. Well, one of the one of the behind the scenes uh, emails that I got, <clears throat> text messages. Um, let's see if I get to it here. Um, Peter, he does not prescribe Paxlovid and knows it will never be mainstream. Now that's after. I, because that was somebody who was at the presentation who walked out of the presentation that I was giving on those 18 points. He does not promote Novavax. We had a long conversation about it. In order to reach the vast majority of people and prevent them from taking mRNA, he chose to use Novavax as an excuse to wait, knowing it will never hit the U.S. market. By the time people learn it won't hit the U.S. market, <clears throat> He knew they would, they would get that none of them, it's their language, not mine, none of them work and would avoid a vaccine for COVID altogether. We truly need to speak. You choose me to go after the wrong people. I'm not going after anybody. I'm just presenting the data. Um, if you had questions about these things, we could easily have a discussion about them, showing you why this strategy was chosen. We've got comments that were sent to me on Malone. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, Malone, quote, I put the screws to Richard, that's Richard Malone, or um, about his, com but it's Robert Malone, so they screwed that up, about his consultation of Covaxin. He reviewed their data and deemed it worthless. The vaccine program was abandoned. Well, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And Malone's comments were, one, I was a consultant to Reliance. Two, whoever wrote this is guilty of defamation and knows nothing about this product. Well, all I did was show the video that he talked about. Three, this product has not even begun phase one clinical trials. Hmm. Not right. True. Four, it is a straightforward subunit vaccine candidate with a traditional adjuvant. Five, a presentation regarding the vaccine as characteristics is readily available. Six, this product was designed as a very low cost alternative. Seven, my presentation. This is Robert Malone sending this message. My presentation regarding this product for Reliance can be found here. And it's the same darn video that I showed people and provided the link to under the 18 points. Um, and then Malone goes on to on, on, on Getter to point out to somebody that he doesn't know me, which is why I posted back on Twitter. Wait a minute. Well, we you've, did been a on, you've been on streams, <laughs> round yeah, tables, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I pointed out that, you know, he attacked Lee Merritt and, you know, 
my response to Lee Merritt and what she said was she didn't have the science behind what she was saying, but what she said was, I feel something. Okay. Well, I'm not that warm, fuzzy feeling guy, but I get it. People have a right to their feelings. And Malone jumped all over her and said, you don't, you, you, you can't say that. And mm-hmm. I stopped him and I said, you can't tell somebody else they can't feel the way they feel about something. And I pointed out, I said, she doesn't have the science to back up her statement. I don't even remember what the statement was at this time, but the reality well, was- it was shedding. I think it was about shedding to tell yeah, the I truth. And, 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 that out, so I think that's true too, yeah. Um, and, and the reality is she has every right to feel the way. I mean, that, it's different to say I feel versus I have scientific data to support something. So well, the fictive thing is there's been publications since that round table, which show <laughs> that um something's happening on the cell surface that's cleaving off um yeah, yeah. no exosomes and, and it's got some no, of the subunit in it so i, I mean the, the the federal government has issued two policy statements one several years ago i forgot I, I think it was 2017 but i won't swear to it now without looking at it where they were talking about the industry guidance to the industry where they were talking about um gene therapy they they called it gene therapy um, which is exactly what malone's patent is that i put on that 18 points which is a gene he, he in the patent says it's gene therapy in the patent he says it's for the expression of glycoprotein 120 on human cells which is a prion um so yeah and 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 there was another uh statement uh from the fda and health and human services uh and one of the other agencies responsible for looking at this stuff i think it was in 2020 where they said that it was the product of the gene therapy well what's the product of the gene therapy uh duh spike protein so yeah i I think Um, i think there's a moment here where we uh, there's a teaching moment here with with everyone right and and that's that's defining gene therapy and even the fda's description defines gene therapy as the addition of a gene quote unquote uh for the treatment of uh disease either through silencing or uh expressing a protein now um as much as people want to try and twist in the wind um transfection and in the case of the lipid nanoparticles, that is um, fits the very definition of gene therapy. You are expressing a protein. RNA is considered a gene. When you it, once you disambiguate all the all the noise around yes. it, um, yeah. DNA and RNA are interchangeable with respect to uh, um, gene activity, for want of a better expression. And in my case. In the research environment, any transfection, if I wanted to use a dread model or um, optogenetic type model, those animals are classed differently than the normal primate colony. They have to be housed differently because of the potential for shedding. That, that, that's, a, that's a known uh, risk factor. And um, this, People trying to circumvent and change these definitions in the current environment, in my opinion, is very, very dangerous. And we need to, well, like I say, I feel like it's sort of uh, whack-a-mole and putting out little fires all the time um, to challenge these people and, and show where, especially the definitions, I guess, can be fuzzy under EUA. But in the 
basic sciences, those definitions stand and haven't changed. Yeah. They haven't changed in the last year, and they were, they've been established for the last 20 years. Yeah, it's, 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 it, what they're doing right now is the equivalent. You know, the example I like to use is you've got a cow and you've got a horse. They both have four legs and they both have a head. They both have something of a tail. But horses, you generally ride and they're smarter than cows and cows you 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 know you variety of other purposes and where we're at right now is somebody is trying to change the definition of a horse to a cow mm. and you know if you took a second grader they, they you know who understands horse and cow most of them would go no no that's a horse and that's a cow but mm. for some reason the the manipulation and, you know, look, in those 18 points, I went after Fauci and other people that were just presenting misinformation. It's just that what they didn't like is that I included Malone and, and, and McCullough because mm. they were questions that were brought up, you know, but I addressed the questions that were brought up. Um, so, so just to just to drill down on we'll leave Robert Malone a bit later, because I, he's, I think he's a more complex um, individual to be discussing so I'd, I'd i'd actually prefer to spend more time talking about um him uh but with peter mccullough i'll still man the position from the other side and people will say he he has been at the forefront with respect to highlighting um early treatment which i think everyone can agree on that was a um it was an important discussion that was suppressed by mm -hmm. Um, authorities, not just in the U.S., but I and and I will give him that. What I will not give him is that he was the first one and he led it. I mean, mm -hmm. at this, you know, at, at that same time, <clears throat> I was doing clinical trials on those on, on different drug treatments after looking at mechanisms of action, and Zev Zelenko was promoting those protocols before McCullough. And in fact, Zelenko was the one who got the information to Donald Trump. So, you know, my problem is when um, McCullough says he makes himself first on everything, which is kind of interesting because that's now what I'm being blamed for doing by coming back and just simply pointing it out. But when there's a Senate uh, committee with, uh, uh, I don't remember if it was Rand Johnson or, or, or Johnson or Rand Paul, I think it was Johnson. Um, Malone is frequently stating, you know, he co-moderated that event. No, he didn't. He's a doctor. He's not a senator. He didn't co-moderate deadly squat. He was there as were a number of other doctors who were just as important as Peter McCullough. It's this um, usurping of he's done all of this and none of us <clears throat> have done all of this, <clears throat> you know, a mm -hmm. lot of the, the uh, neurologic information on spike protein, um, I credit to you. <clears throat> you, were, you were the one out there pushing that scenario and, and others that I know have been on your program and are on Twitter that talk about it. And um, I apologize for not remembering everybody's names, but that was with you guys. I mean, the inflammathrombotic response, good Lord, that was my 19, 1994 uh, theory. Um, and Zev Zelenko was out there front and center taking heat and criticism right up front. So 
and Peter Malone, I will, or Peter McCullough, <laughs> I will give credit to for pushing early on and, and staying with it, the need for early intervention treatment. That is his major contribution. Now, I will not, as a result of that, then say everything the man says is right. Ivermectin works. You know, he, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> okay. This, this is, uh, <clears throat> this is a, uh, a th this leads into this contentious point because then this pulls in a bunch of other uh, clinicians, uh, mm -hmm. so FLCCC, yeah, yeah. FLCCC, who, right? Who, yeah, FLCCC, who posted my protocol on their website after I did the event 2021 event, mm -hmm. but didn't tell us. Mm -hmm. And then they plastered their 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 logo over a, a slide of me uh, for the video. Well, they didn't have the right to do that because they weren't the ones who did that. American Liberty Forum did that. And when we went back to them and said, wait a minute, um, this is wrong. You're not giving credit. And I'm not saying credit to me. I'm saying credit to American Liberty Forum for asking for this type of presentation to be done. So simply remove FLCCC and put American Liberty Forum or ALF on there. Give them credit, right? The next thing that happens is no communication. The entire thing's pulled off. No statement of we shouldn't have done that. No simple correction. That was just, um, well, if we can't have our logo on that, then the heck with you. And they just pulled it all, all off. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's part of it. And then this, this uh, witch's brew approach to treating people, which is if you throw all the drugs into a regimen, uh, this concophony of things that you're somehow going to get things and you need objected measure data and simply having people live isn't that, you know, um, so they have, yeah, so, so they this, this is, this is going to get into the, the, and we could spend many hours talking about this um, <clears throat> and it boils down to is ivermectin um, a, a valuable therapeutic? Look, I I will say this. Uh, my youngest boy in his class tested positive uh, the week before on the Thursday. I'd been feeling unwell since the Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, and uh, about three, four day, days later, because I was I was feeling rough, uh, I had ivermectin. I took it. I don't. I'm not sure if it did anything, um, but I I put it in the context of it's low risk with safety, and maybe maybe it might do something. But I I don't have a definitive mechanism of it working other than what appears to be a large anecdotal data set, which is well, this city used ivermectin and the cases. Uh, were radically different compared to the city down down the road. This is what we're left with. Every uh, randomized controlled study that I'm aware of finds limited efficacy. Yeah. Um, but then the numbers are way, way smaller. And again, I, I, I don't know if there's some, it seems like there may be some signal there, but it's incredibly noisy and... Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard it's hard to and and see from a from a legitimate point of view what you're saying is what i think they should be saying which is look and and i've gotten on stage uh, you know we we had um a q a in kansas city 
last year that I went to, and there were several people promoting ivermectin. Um, and, and during the Q and A, I said, there's no measured scientific data. And I had, you know, several people say everybody they treated, you know, and if you look at that 18 points, you've got, uh, you've got McCullough now going, well, it's 70%. Um, and hydroxychloroquine is 20%, but Paxlovid is 80%. And he's going to use it, but then the email correspondence is he's never going to prescribe it. Um, and after all that argument and debate, you know, they really were afraid that it, it just kind of gone south. And I insisted on getting the microphone back. And I said, look, what we're maybe what we're doing on stage here is having an honest discussion about differences um, from the people's perspective. But at least that's a discussion that's not being had on the other side of the equation. And the scientific debate that we used to have was bringing uh, those topics forward. Now, my argument is, as I told people on stage, that there is no measured scientific data outcome proving ivermectin. That being the case, I would rather a clinician at least attempt with a sick patient to do something versus taking the approach of there's nothing we can do, go home, get sick or come back, we'll watch you die. And I have said that right up front on people, but I think to be honest and objective with people is to say, we don't have measured data showing. We believe that when we give it to our patients, they do better. Now, Mrs. Jones, it's up to you if you want to decide. See, that's informed consent. That's being clear. I don't believe in taking it prophylactically before you have a problem. Yeah, that's Once a, that's a, a selective pressure onto, right. onto a complex phenomenon that we're struggling to wrap our heads around uh, right. even See, now. Right. I tell people prophylactically, no, because I don't give you chemotherapy to prevent you from having chemo <laughs> from cancer. <clears throat> I don't put you on statins if you don't have heart disease to prevent you from developing heart disease. I don't put you on a drug or a treatment to prevent a problem you do not have. Why? Because I can't demonstrate a benefit to it if you don't have it. And what I will see what I will see are, are side effects or consequences because everything you put in the body has a consequence. So it's a no-win scenario. So what do you do? Hum, vitamins, minerals, eat healthy, take care of yourself, stop putting garbage into your body, improve your immune health and quality, exercise, do the things that I've been I and others have been banging you over the head with for decades. That's what you do. But you don't start taking drugs just for the heck of it so that you might not have a problem that you're never going to know whether you didn't have the problem because you're on the drug or because you've got a good immune system or any of a number of other things. So <clears throat> this is the objective, honest approach that I think we have to have. And it doesn't help people. See, when you're, I'm getting emails like this and text messages like this behind the scene when they tell me this is part of their plan, even though they know that, you know, it's not exactly true. My little brain says, so you're intentionally knowingly misinforming people because you want to guide the direction this is going. And I'm pretty certain if I called up Anthony Fauci and Collins and the rest of them, I would get the statement if they were honest with, we're trying to guide yeah, the direction. Yeah. You know, it's like, so this double-edged sword, this double standard well, this, approach. This, this, 
work. Leapt out with the um, the use of this mass formation psychosis argument, and I, I said that's a that's a terrible, terrible argument to be used because it just flips either way, yes. and both both sides can start uh, calling the other as uh, being uh, in some deranged yeah. psychological state. And by definition, and 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 I, you know, I was working on my master's in psychology before I went off to to medicine. Um, that that type of terminology is not defined. It's not discrete. It's not something you can actually determine, and it's applicable. And and I know you were saying it too to both sides of the equation. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. So, um, so well, I think we can sort of that bit off with uh well there's they should be more upfront about we're we're trying to guide right and and in doing this guiding this is what we, we we're suggesting that you do um but i get your point that we should be there should be a degree of transparency which says um the well objective science the objective scientific measures mm-hmm. are, are still lacking somewhat and there's controversy around especially ivermectin i think mm-hmm. i think that's a way of summarizing yeah. and, and 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 i've pointed out that ivermectin has a well-established nuclear pore complex mm-hmm. benefit that is critical when you think about reverse transcription of this genetic sequence into the human DNA, which has been known for two years. When, when, when people say, ah, this is an issue now, it's been proven. No, guys, it was proven two years ago. It's been published a couple times by different people under different circumstances, but they they the, the 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 folks and i you can go on the website and, and pull up their names because i don't remember them off the top of my head i've not worked with them individually i just see their research um these are the people to credit for this not mccullough mm-hmm. not fleming not mccairn not you know uh, luke montagnier not you know the folks that are actually doing the work these are the people you credit um <clears throat> and and uh and there's this. Uh, there's also this attitude of you know, I've got more research published on SARS-CoV-2. I've got over forty or sixty papers. Look, if you're doing a book report, which is basically uh, doing a review on other people's stuff, that's not really kind of the same category as doing a real research project. You know, um, most researchers know that you can't do 200 papers in one year and, 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 and consider it real research work. I mean, for the love of God, uh, it just doesn't work that way. Normally, I mean, <clears throat> what we're doing with the blood work stuff, that's a tremendously short turnaround period of time. But that was just easy to do. Mm. Um, uh, because it's it's just one of those quick and and easy to do type studies and and you know we're still looking at bits and pieces of of that you know we being you i and um <clears throat> the ethers um <clears throat> which I'll, I'll just remind everyone um we're going for the spectroscopy aiming for next week um if people are new here uh i'm having to eat the cost of booking the laboratory time and the equipment etc i need help 
in that respect. It, it's yeah, I, I I would definitely agree. If if people are able to financially support you on that, please do because the same people, um, there's certain things that people can do. Sometimes they're the scientists doing the research. <clears throat> Other times they are the people who have the money who can provide the support, even if it's five or ten dollars or fifty dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that support makes it possible for the the, uh, the science people <laughs> to do things that we otherwise would have to eat the cost of and then simply say, well, on the next thing, I can't do it because mm. homelessness is not the most appealing thing. And you I have children and, <laughs> and a wife and, um, and, and it's, look, it's, what- it's not, it's not that mark, right. In the scheme of things, uh, when we're seeing how much money is being thrown around the, the lab time will, will run about $3,000. But that's literally that's cheap in science terms to be able to say, one, we've already got um, a whole bunch of samples from Pfizer. Let's go and determine the uh, what those inclusions are um, properly. And everyone can watch me do it. I'll, I'll try and do it live if they'll let me. Uh, within the institute, I don't. I don't know if that. Look, there might be issues about them, uh, about streaming live from within uh, the institute. Maybe, but I'll record it. I'll record everything, go. and you you'll see it. And I everything that's recorded on the camera and the uh, the Raman spectral analysis. You know, I've been informed that it's gen- generally pretty quick, uh, but there's still a scan time and there's a processing time. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, so it's not it's not just rocking up at the institute, banging a slide under, and getting <laughs> getting the result uh, instantly. It doesn't yeah, work is, like that. It's it's not a pregnancy test, is what you're saying. Yeah, and um, you know, there's uh, lodging and uh, travel, uh, all of these things, and um, I've I've booked it, and I'm I'm going for it because I have to I have to do I have to know. Um, because I'm I'm on record of showing that those inclusions are there, um, I, you can see them. So let's find out what they are. I think I think it's a minor issue right now. I think the lipid nanoparticle and the gene is the issue. And and I want to just reiterate what you just said. You've done some work that shows something that you need to know the answer to and you're not finding excuses for not being able to go do it you have to go do it and that's i'm going to bring this back now uncomfortably for people perhaps to ivermectin and everything else which is at 27 months we need to know and one of the conversations on that Q&A stage platform in Kansas City was they were so busy, they didn't have time to do it. And I said, no, morally and ethically, you have to make time to do it because if you're right <clears throat> and people aren't getting treated because you have failed to do the work that you're morally and ethically obligated to do, then everybody who doesn't get that treatment, who suffers, is that's on you. Mm. Two... If you're wrong, you need to know that because if you're telling people to take something and it doesn't work, that's on you. And three, what usually happens frequently is that you find out that you're partially right and partially wrong 
and it leads you to a better understanding of what you need to know to get to the better understanding to help people. Um, and you never get to that better understanding if you're too insistent that you're not going to do it. And what Dr. McCarran just told all of you is that he doesn't have a choice scientifically. He knows he has to do it. So I, I simply, again, help him out. He's not asking for money to pocket or have a wonderful meal or anything else. He's looking to simply help pay for the cost of doing this. And I'll, I'll, I'll just add this. Um, and I think I it was, I, you, you might have bought this. At 3000 is dirt cheap uh, <laughs> for that. Sorry, go Pierre ahead. Yeah, Corey charges $1,200 per consultation oh, God, to yeah. dish out yeah. ivermectin. It's two, it's two sessions <clears throat> with Pierre Corey to go and methodically look through i don't know like 50 slides we have of pfizer and sputnik to look what and sputnik look clean right i see salt crystals on it and um you know we've got to drop this nonsense of um the, the salt crystals technology yeah um because I, they want you to look in that that area because they don't want you to look at the toxicity of the lipid nanoparticle or the expression products, which we know are not clean. We know that the that you don't get a clean um, protein coming out. It's smeared and that they're, they're saying, oh, maybe it's glycosylation, et cetera. Well, well, okay, if there's differences in glycosylation, then the, uh, the presentation to you know, the part of the immune system that they're trying to um, co-opt might be off target, might cause problems. And we're in a situation right now where suddenly the uh, 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 comorbidities that were associated with the fir first round are not playing out now when Hong Kong is shooting through the roof with cases. Um, where else were we looking at recently? I forget. I mean, Israel being an example, uh, Japan is, um, you know, they've done really well. And then, oh, post, post rollout, suddenly there's uh, increase in cases. They're not fat is here. Okay. And yeah, being fat was the first big, you know, <laughs> get on the diet. If, if, if you're, we have known for years and we've talked about this for years in cardiology and heart disease, that if you have truncal obesity, this, this, this fat, this adipose tissue around your waist that we have known, particularly in men, but also in women that these inflammatory, uh, uh, components of this pro-inflammatory process are actually made in those cells <clears throat> and encouraged to be released in those cells. You, I mean, you asked about the, the, the CDC data. One of the, one of the credences that I have to the CDC data is that when I looked at it and as I showed it in that last little video, <clears throat> it's showing exactly the types of disease processes that we would expect inflammatory diseases and prion diseases, Alzheimer's diseases. And, <clears throat> you know, it's very consistent. It's very on target with the animal models that were done, both the, uh, the uh, humanized mice and the rhesus macaque models that showed the prion diseases. And, and you know, based upon that, they, the uh, extrapolated uh, point to start seeing that in humans was a year and a half. Well, guess what? The CDC data 
I'm sure this wasn't what they were going for, and I'm certain they weren't expecting anybody to dig into it, shows that that's exactly what's going on. These I'm going to add, add that um, stream, actually, that you did on as an addendum to this uh, conversation. I think people need to go and look at that um, because, again, you're, you're, you're seeing this. Uh, I don't want to keep harping back to this, but the, uh, I forget the guy's name, the financier or whatever the guy. And yeah, he's yeah, saying, I don't remember what it was either. But. but, you know, he's saying, oh, there's this massive increase percentage wise in younger, younger people. Um, but the real numbers are. Well, about 4,000, I think you said. Right. Something like that within the United States. That's, that's still a lot. That's... Um, oh, absolutely. One is too many, right? <laughs> but the... Um, it's the shell game paid with, played with graphing and um, using percentages rather than whole numbers, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a common... Tool. Well, in, in many studies, that they'll, they'll do the percentage change because it looks better and um, but you can't do you can't do proper statistics on just percentages right then they're, they're not parametric tests etc you you have to use the real whole number data and etc etc so um, I, I think people need to be clear about that and you know I don't know if it's maybe it's an avenue of attack maybe to to use but there is a there is a increase in all cause mortality across all ages i think as you've pointed out um the you know fat is <laughs> fat is go first right in in zombie land and then and then what we're seeing is the the neurological sequelae i would argue and that's going to that will get pushed into alzheimer's parkinson's and that that because that's already a big data set anyway and maybe that person might have had another 10 years before they flipped into the the real disease state and if if it's death by parkinson's alzheimer's etc then this needs to be studied very very intensely and the uh the neuroanatomy and studies need to be very very thorough to um, point to the causal mechanism. Now, I think both you and I would agree that expression of the spike protein, whether from the virus or the current treatment paradigms, is likely not the best way that you want to go. Mitigation. And, and, you know, it's, it's just really a matter of numbers of how much expression there is, uh, whether you're getting it from person to person versus whether you're getting it through a drug vaccine biologic. Um, and I'm going to try to continue to stay to that term because I think that's the pure term, but I have to agree. Um, you know, and this is a matter of, you know, just as, as a good example, a year and a half, ago when people started trying to get me to use this and say it's gene therapy i would have to go okay you know i get what you're going for it's a drug vaccine biologic that's the pure term for what it is but then you know i i mean i listen to the arguments and and you know and you made it earlier just as validly as is you know, a lot of these other people that were doing, and I, I kind of acquiesced and I said, look, if the government's calling it gene therapy, <laughs> who am I to argue with it? You know, and, and, you know, when, when Malone's- but that's the FDA definition. It, 
expression yeah, expression know, of yeah. a protein to treat yeah. disease it doesn't um, doesn't define what the protein is yeah and and they just declared i just saw something this morning and i need to leave here in about two minutes um so oh, we didn't get to Robert Malone. That, um, <laughs> they it. were uh that they were uh going to begin doing this for hiv it's like really mm. but you already had uh, you know, mm. um with the gp120 component i mean that was one of the <clears throat> One of the real arguments, discussions, not argument in the way that most people do that, um, uh, that, that Luke and I were having before he passed, which was, you know, his re reflection back on the fact that once these protease inhibitors stopped being used for HIV, uh, for AIDS in the early years, that what happened was these patients had a worse case of, of AIDS and an increased ramping up of the, of the, of the virus of HIV, but the virus looked different electromicrographically in that it looked like parts of the outer component of the virus were missing. But then there were all these small fragments of new components that were showing up. <clears throat> and what Luke and I had been talking about rather extensively was that, you know, it's been my premise now for a couple of decades that this glycoprotein 120 in this NER5AC receptor uh, raft uh, not only is pro-inflammatory for heart disease, but that those small particles that they were seeing were actually the GP120 that were being released from the HIV virus itself. And, and nobody knows why, right? I mean, we, why would a protease inhibitor end up causing this uh, loss of the GP120? But as Luke was looking at it, he was saying, yeah, it looks like these small particles would represent the GP120 that you're talking about. So that's kind of what we were working on behind the scenes um, <clears throat> before his death. Um, but, uh, you know, why you would want to express this sucker on cells like Malone is doing is, you know, claiming that this is going to be an HIV vaccine. All this is, 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 is uh, Malone behind the scenes <clears throat> working on this. Um, and, and now they're coming out with it. And, you know, Biden and his, his um, campaign to become president was telling people they were going to go after HIV. They were going to go after cancer. This is nothing more than what they're doing now with these, with these gene therapies and the CRISPR technology and the mRNA and the, and even the adenovirus vectors to get into cells. This is a playing out of their sequence. So everybody who thinks that we're headed towards better days, if we don't get these people indicted, if we don't get this nonsense stopped, we're not headed for better days. We're headed for bleaker days. And I hate to say that and make it sound like everything's doom and gloom and and i'm not a doom and gloom person but it is a reality that you know this is not the time to go oh it's over okay let's let's go back to what we thought normal life was because we've those, those days are gone yeah we just opened the door for them to unleash uh new yeah. medical interventions that have not been well <laughs> you could argue it's been properly tested now in the, in the yeah. real world but well, um they're learning, aren't they? Yes. They're, they've, they've, they've developed a learning curve. If you think they've been stupidly just not collecting this data and learning from it, they've been learning from it. They've been learning what it does biologically, physiologically. They've been learning what it takes to manipulate people to get what they want. Uh, they have been learning um, 
you know, I think the whole world is, is, is learning that the U S has a number. I mean, uh, Lara Logan did something the other day that I posted on Twitter that I thought was just extremely brave of her to do. And I love the fact that she said, look, she's as a journalist, she's supposed to present the truth, not what you want to hear. Right. Mm. And so she's presenting, the reality of what's going on in the Ukraine and the U S bio labs, you know, these aren't all level four bio labs, but who knows what's in there because it's partially Russian, uh, pathogens that were being developed before the USSR pulled back and it's partially U S and, and Lord knows who else is, is, is playing in that little pond. Well, I, I, of- I just want to add this caveat to that. Um, you can buy an autoclave and destroy all those agents, right? Um, and that could have been done decades ago. Someone needs to explain why hundreds of millions of dollars have been poured into Ukraine by Defense Threat Reduction Agency in, uh, under the guise of mitigation and um, surveillance. It doesn't cost that much money to do that. It doesn't cost that. And let's be honest, there aren't thousands and thousands of scientists really qualified to be doing human threat reduction with these organisms. So you don't need hundreds of labs around the world because there aren't that many people trained to do this, right? What you need is a few labs in places that are isolated. So that if there's a problem, you're not releasing a pandemic and, and those few people to be funded. But when you've got this many labs going on, Again, like I've told people before, this is not the DOD helping the Girl Scouts sell cookies. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the critical question here. And, um, you know, I, we've had this discussion before somewhat in yeah. private. Um, yeah. Look, I'm going to take the ammunition and the fire <clears throat> that someone like Robert Malone is putting down range with respect to not injecting children. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, raise that issue. Um, the, the he was also problem- the only one that wouldn't sign that roundtable uh, letter to stop the vaccines because he was adamant that people over 60 should be vaccinated. So he refused to sign the document in the end. Uh, and But the issue, the issue comes, as you've stated, which is the conflict of interests and what is known history with, well, the military side of the equation here and no one there's very little disambiguation going on and i'm you know i have to put everything that robert malone says in that context still because i'm not sure look he was on war room with uh, uh what's his name steve bannon. Uh, not, not steve bannon the the guy that was working with uh trump uh the chinese uh expert uh, what's his name Lavero, uh, something like that. Peter Lavero, Death by China. Something was his book. Okay. He was a professor. He's on the he's on the war room and he's speaking with uh, Malone about vaccines. And then comes up the uh, the issue of these laboratories. Um, I'm going to go into that in a little bit more detail after okay. this stream. Um, but whilst you're here, Malone. Seems to have a pretty good understanding of the uh, frameworks and mechanisms that were in operation uh, uh, around around these programs, and he's saying, "Well, well there's not a good 
a good answer for why there's so much money being poured into what is a geopolitically sensitive region for this for this type of analysis. And now now we're in a look. It looks like a checkmate move from the Russian Chinese side, and literally we do look. Like we've got our hand in the cookie jar, mm-hmm. somewhat. Yeah. As, as they turn around and say, "Hey, uh, you've you've got these systems here, mm-hmm. and now, uh, and anything that happens is now going to be blamed on uh, Russia for their um, invasion." Um, we, we know that they're looking at coronaviruses. We know they're looking at um, a number of uh, what I would call offensive agents. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, much would be. You know, you'd get in. You know, they're certainly not defensive agents, are they? Um, some of them. And look, man, I, I, again, I, I don't want to waste time going through stuff that I'll go through after this. But th- there's a. Um, I, I don't know. What's your opinion with respect to how much of this is damage control from these organizations by allowing someone like Robert Malone to go out there, publicly speak, um, get. Uh, a large percentage of the population on side and release in bits the the totality of the programs that have been in place. Yeah. I'll make this last statement, then I have to go. I think there's a lot of controlled opposition that's going on. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of controlled opposition. The question is how much do these people know that they're being played as controlled opposition? How much are they going along with? And, you know, where does it fit in between? And, um, you know, it's kind of like that, uh, the experimental approach. Do I think, I think it's somewhere in between, but mm-hmm. there's there's some uh, complicity on their part that they're going along with it. Uh, and they know there's a benefit for them. For many of them, I think it's their way of trying to get out of trouble for over make, uh, for, uh, statements they've made that they can't substantiate that could eventually find them just like Simone Gold uh, just ended up with uh, doing a plea deal for her event on January 6th because the government, as I'm told, just kept beating her down. She couldn't couldn't move forward, so she just took a plea deal um, <clears throat> on, on that. Um, there's all these questions out there about what are these people getting uh, uh, in as a result of the information they're providing and how much time and attention are they trying to get just for uh, personal motives? I don't know. They're the only ones who know that. But the fact that they're not coming clean um, is concerning. It's alarming to me. It would be very easy to just simply make a single statement to come clean on a lot of that stuff. And I would walk up to these people on stage and say, you know what? You made the statement. You came clean. I'm good with that. Now, if we can actually go get the real people responsible, let's honestly do it for the people. But we've got to be transparent because the one thing we have that they don't have is transparency. And when when we're playing the same games as the other side, we're no better than the other side. And the people can't know who to trust. And this is about making certain that the people know who to trust because if we're if we're adamant on on what we think is going on we have got to expose ourselves transparently and openly and and deal with the pain you know my my past case with the federal court i've laid out there multiple times for going after big pharma 
and dealing with the fact that, you know, evidence was hidden from the court, from the jury uh, intentionally and, and judge and the judge saying that, you know, the jury didn't need to know the whole truth. OK, I have laid that out there, not because it was comfortable, not because I liked it, not because I feel like eviscerating myself every day, but because you need to know that so that you can say, OK, um, he's telling us what happened. Now we have a choice. Do we believe him or not believe him? Okay. Um, I get that 100% right across the board. Um, mm. Believe me, don't believe me. It's completely on you, but it's not because I'm not telling you about it. Right? Mm. Yes. And no, and that's all I want them to do. I want us to get a cohesive frontline movement with everybody. I don't give a darn, frankly, that McCullough got money. What I give a darn is the conflict of interest issue that prevents transparency. You know, I want, I, I want people to just be honest and transparent and do the right thing for the right reason. Old fashioned, old school. I know I get it. I'm a dinosaur. I'm dying. <laughs> you know, my breed, right? Okay. Well, if we, that's the hill we die on then um so be it because like i say all, all, all of this comes down to transparency and yeah. the uh the existential problem that we have right now is what looks like u.s oh, oh, be careful how i phrase this an over exuberance in pushing their threat reduction program yeah. to the point of well, we're, we're all at risk right now. Um, <clears throat> the argument could be very, very clearly that SARS-CoV-2 has links to these programs. I, I think that evidence is there. Um, we're seeing collusion in covering it all up. And the the same I can see happening right now within hours to days should something even more <clears throat> terrible come out of what's happening in Ukraine right yeah. now. Yeah. And this is a... Um, well, I don't want to be in this position and it's, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing here for me. It's just, it's just the darkness, oh. right? <laughs> Look, I didn't want to go down the gain of function stuff to work on it. I didn't want to have to do the 18 pieces of information. None of this stuff is, is, is stuff that I cherish doing. The only thing I cherish doing is, is, um, making a difference that's significant, uh, for the children and the grandchildren. And I think that's one of the, one of, one of the other little caveats, um, is that I think what you're doing and what I'm doing is about our children and our grandchildren. When other people don't make those statements and they're getting other things out of it, I have to wonder. It's not about medical freedom. Don't moan and groan that you can't prescribe something. Just prescribe it. Take the loss of your medical license if that's what it comes to versus saying I couldn't prescribe the drug and it's not my fault. It's the government's fault that you died. Look, man up. I hate that expression, but I think it's, it's applicable here. Man up. Do what's right and let the chips fall where they may and decide if this is the hill you want to die on. At least make it an honorable hill to die on. Hmm. Um, with that, I'm so sorry. I've got to go. I'm going to get screamed at as it is, but I'm All used right. to that. So well, we'll, know, we'll, we'll speak later. And um, I want to, um, could you just uh, put in the Dropbox the original of your 
the breakdown of the CDC data. I want to add that to the end of this. Um, in the Dropbox, let me let me send that to you. Um, I'll, I'll try to figure out how to send that to you. I'm not sure I'm as good at the Dropbox as you are, but um, uh, some do, some I way did, to I get will, me the uh, original so I can get it to you. It may be we transfer if that's okay. That one yeah, at least yeah. I understand how to do. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, thank you, Kevin. Okay. Thank you to your viewers. Yeah. Oh my and, best. Okay. Uh, Yep. Take care. I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Boom. So uh, let me uh, do this. Let me do this. Let me do um, this. Uh, I don't, <laughs> let me just uh, first off do this. So I'm not, <laughs> people see it all my prep and all my emails. And I'm going to just do an addendum to this whilst, whilst I'm streaming, whilst I've got, uh, I'm in the flow. I want to look at the, um, this biowarfare issue. Um, it's important. It's important because it's that there's this issue of transparency and, um, this isn't a small detail in, in the current conflict that's Sorry, it's putting us all at risk right now. And the idea of just trying to hide behind the uh, the big leaf of, well, this is just biosurveillance and threat reduction. Maybe, maybe. But um, autoclaves don't cost that much. Cement doesn't cost that much. Digging out a deep, fucking hole lining it with reinforced concrete and dumping whatever agents that are supposedly in ukraine that are problematic doesn't cost hundreds of millions of dollars it doesn't and so someone's gaming um the system right now and so i had a couple of links that i want to uh bring up and we'll, we'll go through them uh real quick just because I think it's important addendum to this. And let me just find the links. So we're going to take another look at the Honorable Andrew Weber, the uh, the propaganda that's being shoved down your face and the how we need to... I think again, this is about transparency, and it's it's. A, look, man, you, if you get caught, fess up. <laughs> don't don't start lying more and more. You're just making it worse for yourself. I have this with my youngest right now. Um, I don't know. He's got an instinct to um to go towards uh, a, a lie to or to blame <laughs> blame his brother or sister, and um, it's a constant it's a constant battle with respect to i know that you did something fess up and this right now is not the u.s fessing up this is the u.s in damage control and i don't like what i'm seeing i'm afraid and we will uh, so i've got the clip of okay let's, let's play this the People's Daily is the official newspaper of the Central the Committee of the Chinese the Communist Party. Of the Today it ran this article. U.S. Let me just uh, turn that up. Now, this is from March 12th, right? So think how much the information on the ground has changed. 
Peter Navarro was the person I was thinking of. He was the person speaking to Robert Malone. We might take a look at that clip as well. Um, someone is beeping. I've got to get rid of that. What's I've got a Discord tab open somewhere. It's not on mute. No, bear with me. I'll look for it after playing this. But oh, the Rachel Maddow show. Oh, oh the. All those uh, politically correct uh, cohort of the United States getting around uh, Rachel Maddow. Here's their show, and here's here's some weaseling from March 12th and Andrew Weber. The People's Daily is the official newspaper of the Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party. Today it ran this article, U.S. tries to refute rumors about its bio labs in Ukraine. But can we believe it? The People's Daily actually ran a whole bunch of articles today on the supposed risk of U.S. biolabs in Ukraine and did basically all of the state-controlled Russian language press uh, touting the unfounded conspiracy theory. Today, the Russian ambassador to the U.N. (laughs) Unfounded conspiracy theory. Unfounded conspiracy theory. Can't remember. That's what they were saying uh, just over a week ago. Things have changed convened a special meeting of the U.N. Security Council where he baselessly alleged that the U.S. was funding... (laughs) Baselessly alleged, yes. ...biological weapons labs in Ukraine. The claims were rejected outright by the United States and the U.K., which called them utter nonsense. Yeah, of course. Uh, U.K. in there. And uh, we'll, we'll dig a little bit more into that after this. The UN also said that there's no credible evidence that the US has been operating biological weapons plants in Ukraine. But this completely ginned up story has become major news in both Russian and Chinese media. The New York Times reports that analysts who study disinformation from the two nations said this was the first time they had seen this scale of amplification between Beijing and Moscow around a conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> because uh, let's just say the state apparatus from our side has uh, gone full tilt um, blaming Russian and Chinese for all, all manner of issues. And I get it. There's real politics going on, yada, yada. Um, this uh, weird squeaky clean approach being pushed on the Rachel Maddow show, though, got me a little bit skeptical. Well, that coordination is alarming. And countering big lies like this is one challenge. The more immediate concern is that U.S. officials are warning that this new fake narrative about these bio labs could be Russia setting the pretense for an attack of its own. <laughs> there it is, right? That's that's the uh, get out clause, right? So because the U.S. with all that money, like I say, autoclaves don't cost very much, digging a big pit and lining it with reinforced concrete and proper drainage don't cost hundreds of millions of dollars and now anything that happens well it's on russia right so um that drags us into a war in an area that we shouldn't be we know that russia's not afraid to use internationally banned chemical weapons for assassinations (laughs) here we go here we go um so yeah look man i'm not saying russia's a good guy uh do i think do i think that they've used these agents to for assassination yeah so it's north korea uh what was was it i forget kim Byung un's uncle or something like that and them getting taken out in a uh in some airport as some uh some female 
assassin walked up and rubbed nerve agent in his face. Um, Russia used chemical weapons when poisoning former Russian intelligence officer Alexander Litvinenko in 2006. And again, when it targeted former spy Sergei Skripal and his daughter in 2018. Okay. Um, this was in the UK, remember? Um, that story is not so clear cut. And uh, just happened, happens around Portland Down. At Salisbury, I think it was. Um... Again, uh, I don't know how good their long-range planning and strategy is. Would would those people kill someone with these agents? Try and make it look like Russians? Maybe. I don't know. None of us know right now because the because there's that fog of war and there isn't transparency here, and we know that they're spinning narratives. So here. Let's, didn't Chemical you? nerve agent was also used in the attempted poisoning of the Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny in 2020. Russia also supported Syria's government in its efforts to cover up its use of chemical weapons. And, uh, we know we know what a pile of shit that was, and how much of a lie that was, as they kept trying to frame. Syria for the use of uh, chemical agents when we know <laughs> most of it was the our side funded favorite uh, jihadists um, pick, pick your flavor um, again not not clear-cut evidence and again potentially a lot of framing and how long you know how much of this is part of a long strategy to get into uh, to get into a big war with uh, a nation state that can justify the uh, exuberant defense budgets of the United States. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that uh, us peons on the bottom are going to get smashed by what these people are doing. ...against its own people. I don't even know where to begin with a problem like this, but luckily we have someone who does. Andy Weber was Obama's assistant secretary of defense for nuclear... Yeah. <laughs> um, just uh, just before we do that, uh, I just want to play this short from uh, powerful Mark Kulak, who's Tonic Live. Uh, just bear with me whilst I find that link. Just uh, let's let's have a quick reminder of uh, who he is. Um, one second, folks, as I bring that up. I wasn't I wasn't preparing to stream. Richard said he had an hour, so I just said go. And I'm sort of just clicking through uh, show prep that I had here. Uh, let's do this one. Let's do this one. And uh, let's copy the link. And, oh, I better probably just do it here. Andrew Weber. This is the Honorable Andy Weber presenting in early 2021 regarding coronavirus. As part of the Obama administration, Andy Weber provided oversight to the Defense Threat Reduction Agency for several years. So this is 15 years ago. Um, in the summer of 2005, I visited a public health laboratory in Kiev, Ukraine with a junior senator from Illinois on her, his first trip overseas as a U.S. Senator. And I'm holding in my hand a vial of uh, bacillus anthracis. With no gloves. Imagine that. 
imagine that. Um, but, oh, we've got links back to Obama administration right now. So, uh, just keep, keep all this in mind as we are going to work, work through this data. Which is the, uh, the bacteria that causes anthrax. Um, and the point here is that biology is inherently dual use. So this is not a bioweapons lab. This is just a legitimate uh, public health uh, diagnostics and research laboratory. This is the honorable. So uh, back in 2005, uh, uh, Andy Weber was, is all over the <laughs> Soviet Union securing these weapons of mass destruction and it was under his watch did that clip finish or yeah it was i think i think i just played it as a minute long um i didn't want to cut mark off but um it was andrew weber as part of the defense threat reduction agency that was signing off on all this money going into ukraine and like i say um <laughs> thank you they were someone who worked with autoclaves and uh, they aren't that expensive to neutralize these agents. And you don't need hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to go in to be building new facilities. And uh, we know we know that they've got agents that would appear to be uh, offensive. Yes. And I get they'll dress it up in, the, again, the eco health model. Uh, but we know what a crock of shit that is as well. Anyway, now let's hear Andy Weber. Chemical and biological defense. He was the person tasked with finding, removing, and destroying serious chemical weapons. He's also visited the research labs in Ukraine that are the subject of this new bioweapons conspiracy narrative. Joining us now is Andy Weber. He is a former assistant secretary of defense for nuclear, chemical, and biological defense programs in the Obama administration. Andy, thank you for being with us. Um, and you could just see uh, how he loves that ego being stroked as his title is being read out. And this man is not a scientist, okay? I'm not sure what he is, but just a, a goblin of the deep state, if you want my opinion. Tonight, you have been to those labs in the Ukraine that this fuss is all about. What are they? Well, they're um, public health labs, mostly, also animal health labs. They're similar to our Centers for Disease Control. Uh, we've been working with them now since 2015, or since uh, 2005, actually. <laughs> get those dates right. Gotta get those dates right. Um, yes, been in there a long time. Building these facilities, scanning for these pathogens, novel pathogens, right? And what are they doing? Gain of function research on them. We know, we know that's their modus operandi. Oh, we got to see how close it is to jumping into humans because we're, we're burning up the forests. To uh, strengthen their capacity to monitor, detect, and respond to infectious disease outbreaks to protect public health in Ukraine and to be part of an early warning system of infectious disease outbreaks so they can be uh, isolated before they spread around. Which didn't work. It didn't work. Prima facie evidence of that in the last two years. Those systems failed to work. 
In fact, they uh, they seem to be uh, a legitimate danger to human health. On the world. And the U.S. officials think that all of this talk about biological weapons and these accusations and this conspiracy theory may be a prelude to Russia itself using chemical or biological weapons. This is framing the narrative. Framing the narrative. Right. And because of the ambiguity around who who opens that vial, there's no rocket to track. OK, they've got little drones that can start spreading and spraying this stuff over populations. <laughs> no, we know that's what uh, DTRA was working on, right, to uh, incapacitating agents so that you can give your troops the antibody uh, infusions, cripple a region and have them do their mission. Words are paraphrasing uh, Dr. Robert Malone, but that's what we're uh, dealing with. Um, this this banal sanitized version that's being pushed across mainstream news sources of the United States is gross. This is not being transparent. And in fact, it looks like a very dangerous ploy as they're playing with fire, as they're saying, well, you know, if we see uh, some of these agents, it has to be Russia. Weapons in an attack. Uh, do we know uh, what, what do you know about that and what do you know of their capabilities to be on that front? Well, I, I do worry a lot. You gave some examples of Russia using banned chemical weapons in peacetime in those two assassination attempts in the United Kingdom and inside Russia. So it is a very real threat. I think it's more likely that they would use chemical or biological weapons than they would nuclear weapons, even though Putin has threatened the possible use of nuclear weapons. So that um, maybe the big existential risk is not nuclear weapons. Maybe, maybe. Look, I think I think they're probably real, but maybe maybe the premise that um, their their use is of limited limited range in terms of strategic operations. I do think that bio warfare is something that they've been heavily focused on. It's been all this research has been hidden for decades and then metastasized through uh, our academic institutes and and fed by the money hose from people like this individual as they're playing their games. And, you know, it's a, there's a lot about the politics of Ukraine and its seat for all sorts of nefarious activities. And this lockstep approach that you're seeing to, uh, oh God, we're all Ukraine now, just telling you that there's some something, something's coming. Uh, I think it is a, a very serious concern, and the playbook is very similar to uh, what has happened in Syria in recent years, where um, the regime, the Assad regime, uses chemical weapons against. Um, those pause and body language. He's lying. He's lying to you. Against men, women, and children, and then blames it on the opposition. So it is possible that this. <laughs> I mean, we've got evidence that that's not the case. Um, again, look, I'm not. I'm not here to cheerlead for uh, Shia al-Assad. I'm not. <laughs> I think. I think a lot of these people are excorable. Terrible, terrible people. 
um but to be painting us as paragons of virtue in this uh in this shit show is gross and it's incredibly incredibly dangerous right now escalation of rhetoric which used to be um sort of plants in the press in bulgaria and the classic kgb disinformation campaign but it's now escalated to senior official levels even the uh, the putin she statement during the olympics um, made this crazy accusation that the united states is somehow uh, supporting biological weapons it's known to everybody that president nixon ended the united states by- <laughs> we all know about that we all know about that and uh, kissinger and uh their their pivot to oh <laughs> get the sharpie and we'll put defensive biowarfare on it they're still engaged in it but it's, now it's defensive biological weapons program in 1969 and it's russia that has been violating the convention ever since so what do you make of this you just made a reference to <laughs> has it has it all right this this discussion this isn't spontaneous they've had these talking points out. this is uh they're, they're very specifically going through a set of points to reach to the, this conclusion about to come up a statement with uh, Chinese Premier Xi. What do you make of the Chinese state media echoing Russia's lie about these bio labs? What's what's China's role or what's their goal here? Yeah, it's a very interesting new development that started um, when the COVID pandemic first hit and China, borrowing from the Russian disinformation uh, playbook, uh, accused the United States military of causing the uh, covid pandemic so the fact that that his body language is terrible terrible you can see him see him stuttering and, and this is this is a professional remember top top of the tree top of the hierarchy of uh, the uh <laughs> defense establishment and uh, their projects around these agents. China is echoing um, the Russian disinformation. It's very disturbing. It's as if uh, President Xi is acting as President Putin's poodle in this case. What what do we do when we gather information about things like this? If Russia were to stage a chemical um, weapon attack, or- <laughs> uh, that, that should just be uh, preceded. What he wants to say is when, when, right? This is all just planting seeds in the public's mind. If you want, if, in my opinion, okay, because again, in fifteen years, put me in charge, I, I would have raised all those agents to the <laughs> they would have been gone buried destroyed neutralized um but somehow somehow there's uh there's still uh an issue right and hundreds of millions of dollars later and that lying snake on the screen now oh, handling the anthrax uh for a young obama Or, or commit one themselves, what should the Russian, well, what should the U.S. response, what should the Western response be? 
Well, I think we should continue to do what we've been doing um, from the beginning, which is as we get- <laughs> That's right. Keep funding people like EcoHealth to the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars that are all Epsteinized networks. Metabio are flying in and out of Ukraine, uh, probably on the Lolita Express, for all we know. What, whilst, he's, whilst he's copying a feel of Ghislaine Maxwell. <laughs> we just carry on doing what we've been doing. Really? Really? That's that's what the public is ex is expected to swallow here. Intelligence about planning for such attacks and our intelligence on Russian military operations has been nothing short of exquisite. We released that publicly. <laughs> I got I got to just listen to that uh, tirade of BS again. How there have been nothing but exquisite. Let's remember, this is the man who, who sat there in an interview and said that they've removed the existential threat of biowarfare through these mRNA platforms. He's a true believer. He's a true believer, folks. And he, th he thinks that he's on the righteous side here, that maybe they can initiate these uh, these events I don't know what they think to try to draw out the poison or is it or is it to just keep the 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 money hose turned on for more more DOD projects well now we've got we've got to handle the chinese and the russians we we must have more money got to listen to that again what that the exquisite was the, what was the, he used intelligence about planning for such attacks and our intelligence on Russian military operations has been nothing short of exquisite. We <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll buy that hook, line and sinker. He, he, well, they do know people are stupid. This is the problem. We release that publicly as we're doing now in the hopes that it will deter Putin and the Russian military. <laughs> no, no. It, it, you're setting a narrative right now in the hopes that the the people were in, in countries where potentially you could be held accountable. Potentially, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much I trust these systems. But you know, he he knows that that fancy house and drawing room and uh, office that he has could potentially be under um, risk. That maybe there's some jail time associated by uh for engaging in crimes against humanity and look you don't have to convince me that russia and china have, uh, have done their enough crimes against humanity i get it right we know i want our side to be squeaky squeaky fucking clean we have to be <laughs> otherwise everything breaks and we're seeing everything break right now and implode from doing something horrible like using chemical or biological weapons against civilians in Ukraine as part of their uh, terrible uh, scorched earth policy. But we need to call them out on it. And we also need to um, present the facts. And the facts are that Russia has three military biological weapons facilities that no international inspectors have ever been to. So it's clearly Russia that is violating the biological and toxin weapons convention, not the United States. All right. I'm going to stop it right there. Let's call that bullshit out right now, shall we? This is from Nature 2001.
US rejects bioweapons inspections. This was after we knew that the anthrax going around comes from Fort Detrick. It came or it came from Fort Detrick. Now, uh, Rosanna Segreto has gone on record as saying that the vaping illness, which again uh, plots around uh, Fort Detrick, um, may have been COVID. May have been COVID. I, I don't know. Um, I'm of the opinion in full transparency that those bodies are exhumed and we, the proper tests are done under, <laughs> under live conditions. All the scientists in there are being watched by cameras, by people standing next to them. 26th of July, 2001. U.S. rejects bioweapons inspections. Oh, San Francisco. A plan that would give teeth to the Biological Weapons Convention seems to be doomed. U.S. negotiators will tell this week's talks on the convention in Geneva that they still strongly object to the inclusion of a verification procedure in the treaty. Oh, I thought that was just Russia. Well, Russia was just doing that. Unless something has changed, I don't think it has. I, I, I would be happy to be corrected on this on this statement. In all, 140 countries have ratified the convention since it was hammered out almost 30 years ago, but the treaty contains no provision for verification, a loophole that allowed the Soviet Union to operate dozens of germ warfare facilities in the 70s and 80s. Attempts to develop a... Uh, verification plan began in 1995. It was hoped that the latest draft released in March would address the concerns of many participants, including the United States. But as Nature went to press, US representatives were set to announce that they would not sign it in its current form. United States has said in the past that the convention's inspections could threaten oh, trade secrets in its biotechnology industry. Oh, you, you mean all those gene sequences that we're finding in SARS-CoV-2? <laughs> Moderna patents? <laughs> A more sensitive issue may be the U.S. Biological Defense Program, says Amy Rossi of the Federation of American Scientists in Washington. We don't like the idea that someone could inspect our national labs. Yeah, those those labs which they're calling, uh, oh, like CDC. That's just there for monitoring and health. China and Iran both made objections to the draft text. Uh, in May, only over export restrictions. But as the current series of talks got underway on 23rd of July, both countries said they hoped the protocol would be finalised this year. Oh, so, so Iran and China, they're open to inspections. Nice. Let's, let's not forget Ukraine sold 500 tonnes of VX to, the United, uh, to China uh, in the 90s. They and others, and, and like I say, so if you can sell 500 tonnes, it means, well, it's safe enough to transport, which means it's safe enough to be buried and concreted over in the, in the, in the ground. It's safe enough to be neutralised with a fucking bottle of Domestos into that 50-gallon tub. <laughs> <laughs> they and others may be waiting for the United States to kill the protocol to save themselves the embarrassments as bioweapon expert Milton Leitenberg of the University of Maryland in College Park. The Americans and the Chinese are playing this awful game of who's going to get the blame. The United States is developing a range of measures to counter bioweapons and seems intent on relying on these defences rather than backing the convention. And they're... <laughs> those, those defences are the mRNA platforms, the gene transfection platforms, monoclonal antibodies. Matthew Mielsen, a molecular geneticist at oh God, Harvard. Uh, that's another one of these Epsteinized networks. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey, a uh, friend of uh, Nathan Wolf, 
had an office at Harvard. Uh, an advisor to the US government on chemical and biological weapon issues warns that such an approach could augment suspicions that the United States has something to hide. Yeah, like uh, it's anthrax being released around 9-11. There is a huge cost if we just walk away and we'll say we'll look out for ourselves, he says. Um, so that's the article. And that's so there. Andrew Weber is lying to you. Someone please give me a link that shows shows that uh, <laughs> the US is allowing objective inspections of its bioweapon inventory. Where is it? I need to see it. What I do know is, is that their, their cataloging system went offline in the summer. That's the first thing that you see when you look on there, SARS. Uh, so I'll, um, maybe I'll just finish out with uh, this, which is, uh, I think, the reporter that Richard was talking about. And then, I, then I'll call this one quit so we can leave it. I'll try and leave it up, see if we don't get struck. Going I'm then. ready. Can you hear me? Oh, there, oh, there you are. We got her. Oh, well, it's so great. We didn't see you pop up right away. Laura, uh, great to have you this morning. I wanted to start with this breaking news overnight uh, that uh, it appears, and there you are. You popped up for us. It's so great to see you. Um, the Daily Mail has a very interesting story that's saying uh, that Vladimir Putin essentially may be running out of bullets, that he might have a week and a half, two weeks max. He's losing warplanes, tanks, all the rest of it. He obviously went into this thinking he was going to bulldoze his way through Ukraine. He's obviously caused a lot of destruction. Don't want to minimize the fact there's over two million refugees. But this has not gone as well as Vladimir Putin expected. I don't buy it for a second, Ed, I'll be honest with you. I really think that um, there's so much misinformation. We've never really seen anything like it. I mean, I've been covering wars now for 35 years, and I have never seen people with their nails done in the Ukrainian flag, right? I mean, we're being corralled into this box where we either have to hate Vladimir Putin and believe everything evil that's said about him and love Ukraine, and there's no in-between. And that reminds me a lot of you're either you know, um, a white supremacist or you go with the Democrat narrative on everything under the sun. So um, Vladimir Putin knew exactly what he was doing when he went into Ukraine. The Russian military isn't perfect. They, for example, I've spoken to multiple defense specialists and intelligence specialists from a defense intelligence agency who've studied the Russian military for years. They do have a difficulty mounting complex air operations because they do very little um, training hours in comparison to, for example, the United States um, air assets, right, our fighter jet pilots. But Russia um, is not struggling. Uh, what Russia has done from the very beginning has been very strategic. They didn't go straight to Kiev. They went to all those uh, bioweapons laboratories that are scattered all over the country. Some of them they built, so they know where they mm -hmm. are. They've known where they are since the Soviet Union, because under the Defense Threat Reduction Program, um, we went in after the fall of the Soviet Union and supposedly turned those facilities in, from bioweapons labs into public health labs. Although, um, you know, these days it's hard to believe anything that our leaders tell us because they've lied about COVID. They lied about Russia. Uh, I wish I had the full clip. Uh, I, I think I maybe have a better one uh, before, but. Um, again, uh, this is what we're dealing with and, um, <laughs> it's our job. I, I guess I've sort of taken on some responsibility to try to sift through this nonsense and so that you can trust what it is that I'm doing 
and um, I'm tending towards her description of what's happening. I see that the entities that form the uh, what, what should we call it military science industrial complex, I guess, in the West, um, realize they could be they could be cornered right here. And when when a beast is cornered, um, it's at its most dangerous. <laughs> there's there's all sorts of CIA and mercs piling into Ukraine. They will look for any excuse to establish a no fly zone over it because the, Ukraine doesn't have air superiority over it. And in in that instance, in in a ground warfare, if you can't if you can't take out the the aerial assault on you you're you're always on the defensive i don't think i don't think russia is licking its wounds right now um and they've got wounds because we're filling it with weapons and trying to make it uh part of our sphere of influence which i think is a terrible way to go russia has offered neutrality to ukraine um and so now we're going we're we're stepping into this multipolar world as we were talking about but you know how how dangerous is that transition right now and i'm with that i'm gonna leave the stream right there we'll get more into it later um i, I want to make this a sort of discreet episode and uh, make sure it's uploaded etc so uh, with that folks i will say thank you for listening uh, thank you to richard for uh, jumping on uh, like he did and again r remind people um i'm going to do the well let's uh let's just look at one more link um let's see what we're going to be able to do uh in a few uh few days This is what we'll be using.
I'll, I'll get it all on record, folks. We'll go through those samples of what we've seen. I, I will. We'll get to the bottom of it. I need help. I need help to do it. Okay. Um, because if I can get help, then we can do more, more and more and more. And like I say, hopefully we'll have uh, more transfection juice to analyze. We'll find out. Uh, we'll, we'll do more of the blood analysis. And uh, with that, I'm going to say thank you for listening. Um, of course, see the new platform that we have and the We Talk You Listen, uh, full streaming there. Oh, we do have a what looks like a uh, Discord alternative that we can run on our servers. It looks sweet. Um, expect updates on that in the next day or two. And uh, we will we will maintain transparent science. And with that, I'm going to say thank you. Uh, take care. And uh, I'll see you in the next one. I'll maybe stream a bit later. Um, we'll see. God bless.